This week, we are going to be talking about freedom. And so the title is, We Are Free. And we're going to talk about how the gospel frees us in so many ways in our heart. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, so you can read along on the screen, or you can read on your phone, your Bible, uh, if you have like supervision and you can read in the dark. Uh, but we will be starting in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, and we're going to read to start off to verse 11. So Paul continues this thought, uh, just coming off of adoption, talking about freedom. He says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid that I have labored over you in vain. So Paul has been kind of using this enslaved talk for the past couple of chapters. But now he begins to kind of dive into it and expand on what it means and talk about this, this idea of slavery versus freedom. And this theme of slavery versus freedom is a theme that starts very beginning of the book of the Bible, going all the way back into Genesis, of, of how just the world begins to enslave, starting with the people of Israel, but even before that, the different patriarchs, how it, it, it enslaves, and God is constantly bringing his people into freedom, and so Paul, this is a, a theme that also continues into the New Testament that is constantly talked about, this idea of slavery versus freedom that we're going to begin to talk about more. But what's interesting is when we talk about slavery versus freedom, I have found that a lot of people that do not believe in Jesus and don't have faith in him see Christianity as a form of slavery. Um, and, and, and many times people kind of have this thought, that when I, when I become a Christian, right, it's kind of like this thought of when I begin to follow God, that now I have to follow all these rules and life just kind of really gets boring or now I have to be good and, and I, I have to, I'm, I'm kind of this, the, a slave to this mentality of what goodness is and, you know, I, I, am, I have to like listen to people now and I have to like do things that I don't want to do. And people just say, like, I would rather do my own thing. And so Christianity actually looks like this mentality of slavery to them. I, I, if I become a Christian, I can't do my own thing, and I, don't want, I want to be able to do whatever I want when I want. I don't want to have to listen to somebody or, uh, or God or have a king in my life that is not me. But what's interesting about this is what the Bible talks about slavery is... Jesus says that he is the agent of freedom. Jesus actually, through his death, through his resurrection, and, and what we're learning from Paul here is that actually Christianity is not an agent of slavery. It's an agent of freedom in your life. And let me explain what this means. Now I'm, I'm going to give you some, some more story from my life. And I want to talk about, so I, I grew up, my, my dad's a pastor, uh, which means I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't really actually start following Christianity for myself uh, until I was around 18. Uh, I had, you know, read the Bible, prayed. I was a good rule follower, 
up until that point. And a lot of times, that, that, unfortunately, that's what Christianity becomes. It's a good rule-following kind of thing in our life. I'm, I'm going to be Christian, so I'm going to follow rules. But that's not it. I didn't actually have a deep relationship with God. I hadn't given my life to him. I hadn't believed in what he'd done and let that belief transform my life. And so really, I, just like everybody else, became enslaved to different things in my life. And one thing that had enslaved me deeply was pornography. And this is something that enslaves many people today. Uh, In today's world, we have more access to pornography than ever before. It uh, even in the last 10 years, I, I remember when I first watched it, I was in fifth grade. I was over at my friend's house, uh, and we, we were watching videotapes, VHS, believe it or not. Like, that was still around when I was a kid. Um, and his brother had used to tape, like, The Simpsons on VHS, and so we thought we were going to get The Simpsons videos from his brother's room, and we put it on, and it was, uh, his brother had taped and put Simpsons on it, but it was a porn tape, so he was trying to hide it from other people. Um, and so we put that on, and that was my first kind of exposure to watching pornography. And ever since then, it had been something that had captivated me, had enslaved me, had been something that controlled my heart. And this is something that has captured not only men, but also women because of the access to it, because of the availability of it, because of the false promise of the different things that it offers. It offers false companionship. It, off, it offers a false idea of sexual identity. It, also, it offers a false understanding of sex and intimacy. But it's something that we can do alone or something that we can hide in. And so we find comfort in it. And so this was something that had enslaved me deeply in my life. I remember many moments I didn't always have uh, internet in my, when I was by myself or in my room because when I was a kid, like Wi-Fi really didn't exist. I would plug into net zero and, you know. Um, but I remember every moment that I could get away and somehow could find connections to the internet, that was always the first thing I would do. And then I would be able to do everything else. It was my form of worship in life. And then Wi-Fi came around and it, was, it became a, a ritual as part of my life of something that I would do every day. And I remember trying to stop. And I did try. I, I honestly tried to stop. But I stopped trying to stop because every time I would try to stop, I realized that this thing owned my life. And it came to a point in time in my life where I never thought I would live to see a day where I didn't do this. That when I looked at my future, and I, like I said, I grew up in church, and so I would, I would go to altar calls, I would hear sermons, I would read books about it. And it would always come back to, I don't want to do this, but when I go home, I'm going to do it. Because I had no choice. I was literally enslaved to this thing in my heart. And I would go back to it day after day, and I would hate myself for it. I would, I would go through deep bouts of depression. I would go through times of just hating myself and times of hiding, of lying to people, of going through deep shame because of this. Because I was a slave to what this was in my heart. It had, it had complete control 
over my mind and over my heart. No matter how many times I tried to stop, no matter how many times I tried to tell myself I didn't have to do this, it was always the thing that won out. This went on for years. But I remember so many moments just sometimes crying in my room thinking, God, why don't I have a choice in this? Why, why do I want to stop, but I can't? It seems like I never will be able to. Like, I can't envision my life without this. This thing had completely captured me. That's my story. Then I think of alcohol abuse. I think of drug addiction, of sex addicts, of habitual liars. I think of greed. These are things that have captured our hearts that we have become slaves to, that we worship. When I looked at pornography, it was a form of worship in my life. It was the thing that was my stress relief. It was the thing that was my little secret. It was the thing that I went to whenever I wanted to, that I did it every day. It was part of who I was. It was my worship. And we think of all these things in the world that try to cause us to worship them. Whatever it is, if it's lying, if it's sex, if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's people, if it's a relationship, these are things in our life that try to capture us, that try to entice us, that seem really, really great until they have us. And then we pretend that they're great so that we aren't depressed by them on a daily basis. And we have things that come against us. We have our own desires. We have Satan. We have the world all offering us, all wanting something from us, all, all in trying to entice us. And these things begin to attach to our hearts. And maybe there's multiple things that we are enslaved to. It's like, oh, I started this when I was in fifth grade, then I started this when I was in 10th, then I started this when I was in college, then as an adult, I started doing this. And before you know it, these things begin to pile up. And we think, man, I'm, this is just how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'll never close these doors that have been opened. I'll never get away from these things that have truly become a part of who I am. And then we start saying things to ourselves, well, I have an addictive personality, so this is just who I am. This is just the life I'm going to live. We create lies and we create mechanisms to, to kind of put medicine on our shame because otherwise it would be too deep. It would be too burdensome to walk around with. And when I think of this, I think of American slavery because it was the worst slavery in human history. It was abusive, it was demonic, it was manipulative, it was degrading. And this is the slavery that we are in constant battle for in our hearts, in our minds. Things constantly trying to entice us. But yet... Enter in Christ, Paul says. 
a relationship with God. Paul asked them, are you going to go back to the the elementary principles of the world that used to enslave you? You have been given freedom from these things. See, when we believe in what Jesus has done, it doesn't only allow us access into heaven, but it begins to change our present. It begins to transform our hearts and renew our minds. It gives us the ability to say no to Satan, to temptation, to resist when the enemy comes. See, what happens when we believe in Jesus is not only are we adopted in as his sons and daughters, but we are allowed to walk in newfound freedom. The Bible says that we become a new creation, which means the things that used to hold us, the things that used to capture us, the things that we thought we once were are no longer. I remember the day I was, for the first time, able to say no. It blew my mind away. I remember rejoicing that moment because I had no desire to do this thing that had become a part of who I was. I remember that no didn't lose its meaning anymore. And I was honestly shocked. I had just begun to follow Christ I had begun to experience him as savior. I was 18. And I realized something. That when I allowed Christ in my heart, when when Jesus captured me, when, when the Holy Spirit drew me close to himself, when he said, Justin, you are now mine, it meant very much different things from my life. That not only was some mentality changed in my head where I said, yes, Jesus, you are real, but literally my heart began to change where things that I had desired, things that I was enslaved to, things that had captured me from beginning to end no longer had power over me. They didn't have power over my decisions. They didn't have power over my mind. But what's interesting is the Galatian church, they experienced this, but Paul asked them, why are you going back? Why are you enslaving yourself again? Their form of enslavement was they began to follow this law that we've been talking about. We talked about what its real purpose was last week. But Paul keeps asking them this recurring question, why would you go back when God has given you freedom? See, a lot of times we we think, oh, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm never gonna think about this again. But that's actually not the truth. I can tell you that temptation still comes. The the world doesn't just all of a sudden get better, doesn't leave you alone. The enemy doesn't say, oh, look at you, you're you're a Christian now. See you later. 
Enjoy life. I'll move on to the next one. Your, your, your human desires don't, some, sometimes they do change overnight, but sometimes they don't. Or sometimes they just do it for some things, but not for everything. And temptation will come. And Paul says, why are you going back? Because you do not have the revelation, the understanding that Jesus has brought you freedom from this. So if we find ourselves in these situations, a lot of times it's because we lack understanding that Jesus has brought you freedom. Jesus has brought me freedom. That when he died on the cross, and it says that he took upon the sins of the world, past, present, and future, that he rose from the dead, when he conquered the grave, that death, what every sin, sin leads to, what, what everything is, is trying to push us through, what, what drug addiction, what alcohol abuse, what, what, what lying, what hatred, what unforgiveness, what pornography, what it's leading you to is it's all towards this one path, and that path is death. Yet Jesus Christ has conquered death, and in his conquering of death, he has conquered every form of slavery. He has conquered every path that sin could take. No form of sin, no path that it can take, no temptation that can come your way is too strong to overcome the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. See, following Christ, it's our only means of salvation, but it's also our only means of being godly. And when we begin to look to other things to be godly, I've, I, I looked to accountability programs, I looked to books, I looked to other people to be godly. But Paul is saying, no, salvation is through Christ, and the only way you will be godly is through Christ. Law following will never make you righteous. Law following will never make you good. Law following will never make you into the image of God. Christ will make you into the image of God. Christ will make you godly. Christ makes you righteous. Christ makes you free. And sometimes we struggle and we fight over this thought of how could you, how could you mean that? But I know that we're supposed to be obedient to God. I know we're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments. These are things that, that Jesus himself said, and it's true, we are. But you trying to do that is not what's going to make you do it. You depending 100% on Jesus is what's going to happen in your life that causes you to be godly, that causes holiness to arise in your actions and your, in your thoughts, that causes you to be shaped, conformed, and chiseled into the image of God. 
What Paul is trying to drill in deep, he's trying to make sure that they understand is it's not 80% dependence on Jesus. It's not 90% dependence on Jesus. It's not 99% dependence on Jesus. It is 100% dependence on Jesus. And that is the only way you will be righteous. That is the only way you will be holy. It's the only way that you will be free. It is the only way that you will be saved. And what that dependence looks like in your life, you begin to to realize, man, I cannot get through today unless I get with Jesus. I cannot do this on my own. I do not have what it takes. I don't have the willpower. I don't have this. I don't have that. I need Jesus. And what happens is instead of trying to follow the law to be like Jesus, you follow Jesus and you start obeying the law. It's crazy. And you start obeying it a lot of times without even realizing that your life has changed enough for you to obey it because that is what happened to me. But Paul goes deeper. He makes it personal with this church. I want to read in verse 12. He says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Paul is just, his mind is blown. We keep seeing that week after week. He just does not understand what is happening. Why are you going back? to the things that used to enslave you? Why are you going backwards in your understanding of God? Don't you remember I told you that it's him and him alone and nothing can satisfy, nothing can make you righteous, nothing can bring salvation unless it is him. But Paul now, he, he makes it personal. He's, he is using every angle that he can possibly make. You know when somebody like really wants something, and they try to argue with it, argue with you, and they just, it's not happening. It's like, but you love me though, right? <laughs> Don't you care about me? And it's like, yo, why you got to bring out that card for? Like, is it really that serious? And Paul's saying, yes, it's that serious right now. Like, if nothing that I said makes sense to you, then know that if you love me, you will listen to this. He goes, you're like my children. You're my family. I have the best intentions for you. But there's something interesting that he says here that that really caught me while I was reading this in verse 17. He says, 
they, and he's talking about the, the people that are teaching this false doctrine. He says, they make much of you for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. And, and, and I, here it is. This is like, why are these people doing this? Why are they teaching them the wrong gospel? Why are they uh, allowing them to, like, what is their motivation behind ruining this new church? And what he's doing is, is Paul is talking about false, the false teachers here and what their motivation here is. And the motivation, a lot of times, of false teaching is personal glorification. And I, I've come to realize this over, over time, that leaders who push law following usually are creating slaves for themselves. Because what happens when leaders say, no, you got, you got, to, you got to do this, you got to do that, and you, know, you, you make sure that, it, man, if, if you're not here on Sunday, then you're in sin and you're going to hell. If you leave my church, you're not going to fulfill the destiny God has for you. They become the voice of God of your life. You hear God through them. They create a following for themselves instead of Jesus. Their, their disciples glorify them and don't glorify God. See, it, it leads down these crazy roads of manipulation, of emotional abuse. And what I think is the biggest crime is salvation in a person rather than in the person, Jesus. And a lot of times, this isn't even on purpose. This isn't malicious. There are, trust me, times where it is malicious, but there are times where it's not. But it doesn't matter whether, whether it's malicious or whether it's not malicious. The outcome is the same with false teachers. Is that it will be a personal glorification and not the king's glorification. Because what happens is you begin to build your own kingdom and you don't build the kingdom of God. And this is, this is the crux, a lot of things, of what Paul's saying, why it's so important. If you haven't understood the importance of why correct doctrine is so important, understand it through this. That people who preach and teach false doctrine are creating followings for themselves, are building kingdoms for themselves, are, are creating personal glorification and they are taking away from the king. And now they become the king. George Whitfield, he was part of starting the first great awakening in England and then in America. He used to pray this prayer that, I remember reading this, and it was just, his, he was one of the most humble men that ever lived. He said, God, that the name of Whitfield would die and the name of Christ would be glorified. See, following false doctrine is not only dangerous because it can lead us off our path with Christ, it's dangerous because it can lead us back into slavery, or it does lead us back into slavery. 
whether it's somebody you're listening to on the internet, some book that you're reading, if you are finding that they are not centering everything that they do around Jesus and they begin to center it around programs and processes and and specialties, then you run from it. Flee from that because it may sound good, it may look good, it may give you goosebumps when you're listening to it. But what it's doing is it will subtly lead you down a path of slavery. And you will find yourself back where you started. Why am I doing this again? Listen from somebody who's been there. Paul ends this story. I'm not going to read it. But verses 21 to 31, he tells a story about Abraham in the Old Testament. And his story is basically this simple. Abraham had two sons by two women. One woman that he had a son with was his slave, and the other was his wife. And Paul says this. To follow the law for salvation is to be the son of the slave woman. To follow Christ for salvation is to be son of the free. The slave will be cast out. Christ offers us a path to freedom. That path is found in him. Free from trying to be perfect. Free from trying to save ourselves. Free from adultery. Free from lust. Free from drugs. Free from evil. Free from greed. His freedom, it brings joy and it brings peace. His freedom is because of his love and his grace. And so my ask to you today is to depend on him. Do not depend on your willpower or your own ability. Find all that you are in him. And what you will find is freedom. You will find freedom from addiction. You will find freedom from depression. You will find freedom from insecurities. You will find freedom in your life. That when temptation comes knocking on your door, when you say no, the no this time, it will stick. We, as Paul said, are children of the free woman. We are children of the promise. We are children of God. And just as God let his people out of Egypt and out of slavery, 
He is leading us out today out of bondage. He is leading us away from the voices of Pharaoh in our life that will try to keep us, that will promise us freedom time and time again. But the moment that they see that you're on the cusp of not listening to them anymore, of not being in their control and in their power, they will come back and pounce on you just as Pharaoh did. But know this and know that God is bringing freedom in your life and he's bringing it today. If we would just trust in him and say, God, I'm tired of going to everything in the world. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. But today I bring it to you and solely to you. I'm tired of trying to be perfect. In our realization that we won't be perfect, that we will mess up. That's why the whole doctrine of the gospel comes into play. Even if we mess up, he welcomes us to repent. He welcomes us into his freedom. He welcomes us into his love. He welcomes us today as his children, as his sons and his daughters. He said, I choose you to be part of my family. When you're adopted, you don't get to choose your family. He's saying, I choose you to be part of my family. As we worship today, Worship with complete dependence on God. What would it look like in your life if you, if you stopped trying to think about ways to be better? If you stopped trying to think about ways to be obedient, stop trying to think about ways to follow the law, and instead you just said, God, I give everything to you today. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to know that I can't get through today without you, so I give everything to you to tomorrow morning as well. Or when you go to sleep at night, realize that I cannot get through the rest of my week without you, so even now, I give everything to you. What would it look like if you stopped looking to all the programs and the things and you just said, I look to you? Let's do that today in worship. Why don't you stand with me?